0: Learn how to build a better sign and print shop from a few crusty
1: sign guys who've made more mistakes than they care to admit. Conversations and advice on pricing, sales, marketing, workflow, growth, and more. You're listening to the Better Sign Shop Podcast with your hosts, Peter Kurunis, Michael Riley, and Bryant Gillespie.
2: Before we jump into the episode, I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, GCI Digital Imaging, grand format printer to the trade. We talk a lot about outsourcing on the podcast and the importance of having good partners. And GCI Digital Imaging is a good partner to have. Owner TJ Bedact and his team focus on providing killer customer service just the way grandmother used to make it. If you're interested in learning their approach to business, hop back into the archives to episode nine, where the guys and I interview TJ about customer experience. So if you're looking for a high quality trade printer for banners, wraps, and other printed graphics that your customers throw at you, check out GCI Digital Imaging at printgci.com. All right, guys, welcome to the next edition of the Better Sign Shop Podcast. As always, I am your host, co-host, Bryant Gillespie, and I've got uh, some colleagues of mine. Well, just one colleague today, Mike, the Sign Design Samurai. Riley, are we, are we going with Sign Design Samurai? What are we? Hey, nobody sent me any nicknames between the two, so now I'm kind of pissed. But just grasping uh, at straws at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why has no one sent us any more nicknames for you? Maybe we just call you... I'm gonna call you like the Mike, the Sign Industry Mercedes Benz or something. Since that's been on my mind, I don't, I don't know. Just <laughs> trying to figure out how to tie it back to a car, but whatever. Let me think All about
1: right. that one. See if I come up with a good analogy yeah. there.
2: Well, welcome, Mike. Welcome to this episode. We are, I, I don't know this is like the fifteenth episode. Let's let's do like a, a quick little like recap. How you know? How are you? How are you feeling about everything that we've done so far?
1: Uh, you know, I, I'm actually amazed. I, I don't know. This sounds terrible to say, but I'm kind of amazed we made it to 15 episodes. I mean, I, it's I don't know about you, but I sometimes tend to not stick to things very well. So, I'm <laughs> I'm I'm proud of us well, that we've we've made it this far. I mean, I think it's pretty cool. We, we, let's we let's preface that color. with
2: yeah, yeah. I, I'm enjoying the following. I'm enjoying the podcast. Let's preface that and say that we, while we've stuck to the podcast, we have not stuck to the schedule that we set first <laughs>
1: no no uh-uh. that's been that's nothing been
2: not off. in the slightest no
1: but hey you know small victories though we we made it to 15 we have a we have a, an official real sponsor and you know it's it's so weird to see you know scrolling through facebook and see like random people on one of the sign industry you know facebook groups like you know, hey, check out this podcast we found. Like, this is great. Like, it's it's really weird to see that. Like, I know it's not <laughs> it's not like we're you know major celebrities or anything, but it is it is weird to to think that there are people out there that actually like listen to this and and maybe even want to hear what we have to say. It's it's a it's a strange thing. It's new to me, so I guess it's it's pretty cool. <laughs> I, yeah,
2: you're not sure what to do what to do with all your fans that are like stalking you out the Portland. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like,
1: it's just a crowd of people gathered in front of my house, waiting for me to come outside to get the mail. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty cool. I, I'm pretty proud of us. I think that it's it's pretty neat. I I've enjoyed a lot of the conversations that we've had, and I think that it's just going to get better over time as we continue to grow, have more listeners, and more people that want to be you know guests and talk to us. And it's been pretty neat, neat thing to be a part of.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, that's a great way to sum it up. You know, I, I don't think it, I, and I'll speak for Peter here, just because he's he's not here. But I don't I don't think any of us thought that uh, we would get the response that we have. So, if you're listening to this, know first and foremost, we appreciate you. We plan to continue doing this. We enjoy it. We need more nicknames. Number one, also we spread don't... the word. Hey, we do. We do need more nicknames. <laughs> spread the word. We also like to interview guests from time to time. Uh, those are enjoyable conversations. So. Spread the word, keep listening, send us nicknames, not specifically in that order.
1: but yeah. And if anybody has any you know topics or things that you'd like to hear us talk about or discuss, uh, let us know too. Because so, sometimes we struggle to come up with things to talk about. I mean, the sign industry is a, it's a lot of topics, but at the same time, there's not very many topics in this industry after a while. So uh, we're always yeah. looking for new subject matter to, to be done. If anybody has any ideas, <laughs> we're all ears. Yeah.
2: I, I think we're scared to do the customer horror story episode at this point, but maybe, <laughs> maybe around Halloween <laughs> next year. Yeah, that'd
1: make a really great Halloween episode. Get some spooky music playing in the background. And, uh, yeah. 100%. That's a great idea. All
2: right. So the topic today, we'll, we'll just jump into it. The art department, streamlining the art department. How can we improve Efficiency, I feel like efficiency and design is are not two words that go together, but how can we streamline the art side of this? Uh, as we've talked about in like past episodes here recently, design is one of the most important pieces of uh, running a successful sign shop. Uh, unless you just don't do that, you outsource it to like a a sign designer, like a freelance one per se. But I digress. Um, if, very big piece of the puzzle. You know, uh, how can we make that better? Mike, if you're a designer. I'm sure you got some thoughts here. <laughs> um, I'm ex design at this point. I don't, I don't even touch. I don't even open illustrator on a weekly basis anymore. So
1: I'm so envious sometimes of you, <laughs> you, you escape that, that black hole that just sucks you in and doesn't let you out. Yeah, you know, I think the, the number one thing to improve efficiency in your design department above all else is just get better at communication and get better at, you know, creating that design brief to tell your designer what you need. Whether that's an in-house designer or, you know, a third-party freelancer that you use, um, or hell, even if it's you, if you're your own designer, <laughs> learn to, you know, talk to yourself. really... Yeah, right. No, seriously. <laughs> I mean there's 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 merit to that actually. Like you know, some people are just like right, I'm gonna design a sign without putting any thought into it and then four hours later they're still struggling. You know, designers aren't mind readers, and I think a lot of people think that we are, and you can't just tell us, hey, design a sign that goes on this building and expect the outcome that we create to be what you envision in your head. I ever you know, design is very, very subjective and, and every designer is going to approach something a little bit differently. So you know clearly conveying to the designer what the parameters of the project are what the client needs are what what problems this design is trying to solve i think are really important uh, i think that last point is probably the most important and it's probably the least understood but but really really drilling down and we talked about this with dan antonelli a little bit as well that you know and and i say this all the time to you know i probably sound like i'm beating a dead horse at this point but we're we're in the marketing industry we're in the advertising industry and even though we're designing you know, what could sometimes be a fairly utilitarian thing, like a, a channel letter sign, it's still that business's primary means of advertising. And so thinking about it from that perspective, and and this is an advertising tool, how is this going to help this business is important. And, you know, if there's a, if there's a sales rep or project manager between the designer and the client, that sales rep becomes the funnel for all the information to the designer. So really, really getting that communication dialed in between the designer and the you know the project leader is is the single most important thing i think you can do to make your design department more efficient and then some i mean and i think that's where a lot of places really drop the ball too i mean as a freelance designer i work for a lot of sign companies around the country and still on a fairly regular basis like i'll get a you know a screenshot of like a you know a three-quarter angle of a building around from google street view <laughs> and, and just like i need to sign on this wall <laughs> <laughs> uh, make it happen okay. make it fun, yeah man. i mean I can, I can definitely put a sign on that wall, but a, more information would probably be helpful so that that sign does what it's intended to do and doesn't waste your <laughs> client's money. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's I, a big thing. For I, me.
2: I think that's, yeah, I think that's great advice. We're really curious to hear what our guest has to say on the matter today. Uh, we've got Brian Sater from Artwork IQ and uh, the new project they're working on, Task OS, which is uh, like design automation. I'm sure he'll tell us more about it. Brian has built a large artwork provider. Um, So they provide artwork services at Artwork IQ, like uh, redrawing, setup, artwork automation, vectorization, conversion, kind of all those things. So they are focused on like the production art. So I'm curious to hear like how they have streamlined that process and, and kind of what goes into that. You know, there's yeah, there's like I'm the, really... the creative side of design and then you have like the production aspect mm-hmm. as well. So I, I think this will be a good conversation with with you, the super creative. And I, I would say you're, you're pretty efficient at this point as well. But I, I wonder if there's some more tips we can get out of it.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited for this one. I mean, it, it, design is a weird animal because it does require you to be efficient and come up with ways to do things faster and quicker and, 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 and easier. But at the same time because it is wholly creative as well you can't really force that or rush that so you you're kind of weird in this is weird like middle ground between like i've got to be as efficient as i can to get this done fairly quickly but also I, I also need to take my time so that the design looks good so i'm really excited to see how this guy's kind of like married those two together You know, especially like you said on the production uh, end of things i mean you're you really can't automate just you know creativity the, the, right like the, that's, the creativity. that's not something that we'll, yeah yeah you can't do that but there's so many like ancillary components to design that suck up a lot of time um, and that's really where the efficiency comes into play like like recreating a logo like, I mean on a daily basis I get low quality you know screenshots and and, and JPEGs of somebody's logo and I've got to figure out an inefficient way to recreate those and if I've got three or four of those to do in a day even if they only take 30 minutes 45 minutes a piece to to run through illustrator and redraw that's still a couple hours three hours a day where I'm not being creative. I'm just trying to get something done so that I can be creative. So automating that, coming up with a process for it, I think is really cool. So I'm excited to see what this guy's up to.
2: Yeah, let's bring him on without further ado. All right, guys. So we are back with Brian Sater, our guest for today to talk about streamlining the art and design department. Brian has like three different companies and I would not introduce you in the proper way, Brian. So why don't you give us like the the 5 cent introduction.
0: <laughs> All right, thanks Brian. So, I guess I can start. I this could be a history lesson actually. Uh this story <laughs> sort of starts after World War II in uh 1947. <laughs> my grandfather I like got where back where this is from, going. Yeah, my grandfather got back from the war and my understanding is that at the time because of the war and also just because of technology advances, uh there were a lot of new innovations in plastics. So uh, my grandfather saw an opportunity there and started a screen printing company for printing plastics, which led to my dad uh, and my, both of my uncles getting into the printing world as well. Uh, and then that led to me growing up with it, like basically being surrounded by a bunch of, uh, bunch of printers Back then, they were doing a lot of long, large format stuff. So my dad tells kind of a funny story about how my grandfather, who was pretty short, would only hire people oh, who I were couldn't. like six foot four, six foot five, because they did have arms long enough to like move the squeegee across the huge, uh. um,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: huge pieces they I, were printing. So <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah. I, so I'm sorry.
2: I definitely fall into the the short category, so I wouldn't have made it. Wouldn't have made the cut.
0: No, not as a not as a screen printer, but uh, yeah. So I guess my dad has like memories of these giants that would just like kind of throw them up in the air and like play catch with him in the screen printing shop. So (laughs) Uh,
2: that sounds awesome.
0: Yeah, so uh, I definitely grew up with that in my family's culture. Uh, So yeah, both uncles work there, and actually my dad and uh, my uncle Ray ended up buying it from from their dad. So they owned it. And about 1996, they sold it to a manufacturing company that they're working really closely with. And my dad didn't love being an employee, which I totally understand. I've never been one myself. And asked me if you if we wanted to go into business together. So this was like when I was in I think it was in eighth grade, I was like 14, 15. Was I in seventh grade? Yeah, something like that. This was like right at the beginning of when people were using the internet for business. And it wasn't just like academics and I mean, there were websites, obviously, but we had one of the first websites. uh put one of the first websites online for ordering bumper stickers and decals and stuff. We got listed at the top of the search engines at the time, which I'm, I'm dating myself a little. But it, it was
2: Lycos Lycos.
0: Like, and... like, we were way up there on Lycos. <laughs> we dominated Excite. What was it called? Hotbot or one of the other ones. And InfoSeek. InfoSeek was yeah. like the one I really kind of nailed. I, I, I
2: remember um, that one.
0: <laughs> so we had like more work than we could possibly like even quote which was pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool way to get a company started. So this is Impro Graphics, the last company that my grandfather started was Screenprint Products Corporation, and I don't think it goes under that name anymore. But so yeah, we started Impro Graphics. Pretty soon, let's see, like some major stuff we did. We did a, a big project for the Menards Racing Team really early on, which was kind of fun. And then for uh, for NATO, so we printed oh how many oh wow how many hundreds of thousands it was it was so many. Little pink badges that went all the NATO soldiers badges, like these little oh, stickers wow. that went on their badges. That's cool. um, so just reminiscing a little here. Maybe I'm getting into too yeah, much yeah. detail. But no, um, no no,
2: that's fine. Yeah. We, so we tend I, to we 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 are not afraid to ramble here. So I, I
0: noticed I noticed your podcast tend to be on the long side, actually. <laughs> I was like, I'm kinda good at rambling, but am I gonna be able to ramble for an hour and fifteen minutes or more? <laughs> uh, it goes we'll quick. I think I'm probably up for it, actually. So I uh, kind of digitized the place, uh, built a database that they're still using today, which is crazy, it's scary. but it <laughs> got pretty into programming, uh, coding, and then when I went to college, I started what would become Artwork IQ, which is one of the companies that I'm like actively participating in right now. And what we do is we work with lots and lots of different industries, but a big part of that is the sign industry. Uh, And we take any images they get from their customers that aren't usable and we do whatever needs to be done to make them usable. More and more we're doing like data driven stuff with like mapping and Power BI and Tableau and different programs like that, which probably isn't relevant to this. But um, yeah, we kind of got our start. We still do a lot of a lot of work for sign makers, engravers, that sort of that sort of
2: industry. That's always a problem, was always our biggest headache. At yeah, our shop was like getting proper files, or you know, like if we've got to create something. So, Mm -hmm. totally understand you there. Mike was just saying before you came on that, like his creative time is reduced every single day because of like crappy files that he's got to recreate or or something like that.
0: Right. So our our idea is you you have you tell us what what you're using to make this thing. If you want to go into enough detail, you can like tell us exactly what like press you're going to use and all the tolerances and we'll make sure that like every image comes through just the way you need it for that particular process so it's kind of like a black box you throw garbage art into and get good art out of
2: it's
0: the kind of one way of thinking about it um but on the inside of that i like i built i had to build um an erp like an enterprise what does that even stand for enterprise resource enterprise resource planning there you go yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. sorry sorry for pointing at you like that isn't kind of weird but (laughs) Uh, yeah, we. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I built one of those, I guess that's the best way to describe it anyway, uh, to handle all the orders, take all the payments, keep track of all the orders, we built an API so bigger customers of ours can can integrate with it. And also on the artwork side, having 1000s of customers, you really need to be organized. So lots of standard operating procedures, and lots of scripts. And what we found in time is that that became pretty difficult to manage. Because the standard operating procedures were in one place in our ERP, and the scripts and the automations were. Uh, sometimes you would just manually run the script. You'd go into Adobe Illustrator, or Photoshop, and file select script and then run it. For some companies, we would like build it into a little plugin where like there was a whole bunch of a whole bunch of steps for each one. But the fact that this the scripting, the automation, and the the SOPs were separate, I think, was kind of a problem. So that's what gave me the idea for Task OS, which is kind of my current passion and my baby where we uh so the software you create your uh, sops in the software and then mm-hmm. instead of having people manually go through and follow those all of the steps what you can do is you can automate certain steps so this integrates with uh currently integrates with the adobe suite and we're also making integrations with artificial intelligence software like OpenAI's dali no, yeah. chat gpt um and and other systems there so uh it's kind of what, this,
2: what about Corel? Mike is, uh,
0: thinking about it, (laughs) thinking about it, uh, a a lot of our customers do use Corel draw, especially the, uh, it's quite common at the screen printing customers and pretty common at sign makers too. So it's um,
2: uh, like a whole different tool set on the back end, uh, the right for it is like making it work.
0: It is very different. There are ways of scripting things in there, but I haven't actually done it yet, honestly but it is definitely pretty high on our list of of apps to integrate because cool. it is it is used in the in the graphics industry and that's sort of where we're starting out with our uh offering our automations because it's what we're most familiar and can kind of offer the most value I think.
2: Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, it was like it was interesting how we ran across each other like I think it was James Sowers that introduced us it was. Uh, yeah. I, I had done some work with James. He was like, "Hey, you got to check out this guy. I know you're in the sign and print space. Like, he's doing some really cool automation stuff. I know that's up your alley." And I, I took a look, and I, I was like, "This is really smart. It, just like bringing both pieces together." Mm-hmm. And, and like we we've talked about this before, and it's like some of the things that we're doing at Better Sign Shop is like, let's bring all these pieces together. And like you've got instead of having The SOPs over here, and then like the the business end, like the scripts, like you mentioned, or like, I I don't want to have a a doc up with the SOP and then try to follow it over here. I just want it to be in context. Mm -hmm. So to me, that makes a lot of sense.
0: And a nice side effect is if you're using like template-based workflows, it'll pull up your templates automatically, and it'll even switch apps for you. So... If you have a step that's happening in a different app, it'll pull the app up for you when you need it. So you don't even have to think about that, like thinking about opening it and going to where it is. I know it sounds like a small thing, but as a, like a matter of workflow, it's, it's amazing. I really like it.
2: Yeah, Mike, yeah, what's really your cool. initial impression? What's your initial take here?
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm just a lowly designer. So a lot of what you guys are talking about is a bit above my pay grade.
0: This, this um... is nothing lowly about design. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a designer, so I really appreciate what you do. It's like magic.
1: <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. it actually it mostly is magic and witchcraft there's there's that's mm-hmm. about the truest statement you'll ever hear about design is it is mostly magic now it, it is really it's really fascinating uh how you're you, you are trying to tie all that together it's really cool i um i i will be waiting uh, for a corel draw integration for sure you're a corel draw <laughs> user okay yeah sort of unfortunately you know I, I was a an adobe fanboy for most of my career but the reality is CorelDraw draw is just hey, Mike significantly better you keep
2: trailing off the mic
1: oh sorry we're,
2: we're gonna get you a different mic dude i know <laughs> i'm sorry to make you deep throat it i really am <laughs> I <know. It's> like, <laughs> I, i'm
1: sure tr- i'm trying not <laughs> to but it's just it's awkward and and it's not a natural do you want me to go back and say that again
0: no no it's okay okay i all think right, well. i think i followed yeah okay <laughs> yeah, yeah. Careful, careful listening is required but i think i got it
1: <laughs> yeah yeah the gains up all the way too yeah yeah i i was a an adobe you know power user for years and years but but the reality is especially when you enter into the, the like the larger electrical sign arena which is where most of my work is CorelDRAW Draw just objectively beats the pants off of Illustrator it's a it's a terrible clunky like almost amateur hour program in a lot of regards and it yeah. does t- it's got a learning curve to it but um when you understand it it's actually it, it it's significantly better than Illustrator at a lot of things and and so it's it's a very Commonly used program on, on the science side of the industry.
0: Yeah, I've certainly um, seen it used a lot, but I, I guess I know a little bit less about about why why for electrical signs is that something that's
1: um, appealing to you. It, it's almost more. It, it's like rolling a CAD design software like AutoCAD or something into mm-hmm. Illustrator. It does a lot better with you know multi-page documents than Illustrator and templating pages. Um, mm-hmm. It has built-in native scaling and dimensioning tools, which Illustrator does not. To achieve what you do. Which you can do natively in CorelDRAW, you've got to use Illustrator, you have to use Photoshop, InDesign, and also a third party plugin called CAD Tools, which is horrifically inefficient if you have to start using all those side by side. You know what I mean? And the big the big piece of the puzzle there is CAD tools, which is the plugin which gives you scaling and dimensioning in Illustrator. And it's I'm hesitant to like shit all over a piece of software, but it deserves it. <laughs> it's it's truly awful. It works half the time. It doesn't work half the time. It crashes constantly. It's, a, you know, they try their best, but it's just, it's not that good. And it's, it's really inefficient to use, um, which is the big reason why a lot of shops have moved over to CorelDRAW from Illustrator because the workflow in Illustrator to create the, a kind of technical drawing is just, mm-hmm. it's inefficient compared to illustrator. And there's a lot of guys out there that will like hardcore disagree with me on that and say, Oh, there's no, you, there's no reason for Corel draw. You can do it all in illustrator. Just fine. But when you're burning through a lot of work, a high volume of work, every second you can save counts and absolutely and back uh, to the whole efficiency, you know, all of automation efficiency. conversation. Yeah. It makes a big difference. And Corel draw is just, you know, it's, it's better. It just, it just is. And a lot of people aren't yeah. willing to give Corel draw a fair try. <laughs> And they will argue with you till you're blue in the face <laughs> that it's, you're wrong. But. Yeah.
0: Um, I, I probably know. I'm not sure if I know anything better than I know Adobe Illustrator, like inside and out, yeah. like creating mm-hmm. automations for it, like dealing with the objects that it creates in code, all that. But I, I just know too many very uh, fervent Corel Draw supporters to write it off completely. And I do use Corel Draw every single day, um, but not like you do. So for mm-hmm. me, it's clunkiness is just a little more annoying. Yeah. Um,
1: it, the clunkiness will never go away either. Like it's annoying they, to me they too. They make it and I, clunkier,
0: don't they? I, I seem to remember
1: older versions being less clunky. Uh, yeah. Um, every version yeah. is clunkier than the last. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a great piece of software, but what it does, it's tool set is what's really good in it. And I mean, right. if honestly, if illustrator had native scaling and native dimensioning tools built into it and, and manage multiple page documents better, I would uh-huh. abandon CorelDraw draw in a heartbeat. And a lot of people would, but it's never going to happen. I mean, Illustrator's focus is the creative side, the drawing side of things, right? And yeah. it's and yeah. where I, Corel Draws focuses. Dimen-
0: simple dimensioning plugin, actually, because it yeah lacked <laughs> what I needed.
2: <laughs>
1: it, it, <laughs> if you, you came out with like a full suite of tools for Illustrator that had scaling and dimensioning and, and like real CAD level, mm-hmm. you know, tools, even on a basic level, like CAD tools, the plugin gets into some pretty in-depth crap. But I mean, if it was just like a fairly basic plugin, but did, did, did scaling and dimensioning really well you would it, you would sell you would
2: switch you would switch, i would huh? yeah
1: I, I actually would i totally would Ooh. um
2: hey that's a challenge
0: too so, many <laughs> yeah too many business ideas in my head right now i,
1: I yeah, yeah. yeah well yeah, a, right, I, for I, I will
0: right? i will insert that one in there for you but uh, i don't know if it's going to make it to the top <laughs> it's um, just what you want to mess with right I, I do have experience with cad but it's like i, I might not be the man for the job i, I, <laughs> I might not be I, the I, man I, for I, the, I, the I, job it's mostly yeah, converting stuff two CAD formats and testing them, but Mm. not a lot of creating stuff in CAD. I mean, back in high school, I took a CAD class, but that doesn't exactly
2: make me an expert. That's actually, that's how I got into the industry. But I think like the first question, yeah, yeah. I was in a CAD class and like the, the teacher in the CAD class had a large format printer. And I had just done Mm. like the graphic design class, the last semester, we made it through the CAD book. And he was like, oh, like, Hey, let's go cut some vinyl and print some stuff on this large format printer. Uh, So I actually did more graphic design in the CAD class than I did in the graphic design
0: class.
2: (laughs) But I haven't been able to shake it since. So interesting fact. But I I think like the the first question I've got for you, Brian, is like, how did you transition from like, hey, we're we're doing a print shop or a print business, you, you know, signs and graphics and stuff like that into like the artwork IQ side?
0: Well, I went to college uh, pretty far away, so I couldn't bring the printers with me. So all I really had was my uh, my graphics ability and my marketing ability. So since I mostly did the graphics at Impro um, mm-hmm. anyway, like that was my biggest thing, that in the marketing, uh, it wasn't really much of a transition. I just sort of learned it as I went and really, really pretty natural uh, switch when I went to college and started Artwork IQ. Um, gotcha. it's, it's so that, just, is that yeah, yeah, what you're looking yeah, for? Yeah, okay. <laughs>
2: yeah, definitely. So you just like started slinging artwork in like the dorm room or something.
0: Uh, yeah, it was a couple of years after I started, but, um, okay. yeah, I think I just set up a website, uh, some Google AdWords and printers started showing up. We were frustrated with just the, the really unfortunate artwork they received from customers.
2: What, I, I don't know. I hate to date you and, and us as well, but it, like, what's the, like the time frame? On this, like, like year-wise,
0: uh, I started this in two thousand and three or four. I think four two thousand Two thousand
2: three or four. Okay, I was just trying yeah, to think of like was... what like the internet situation looked like. Oh, uh, it, yeah, like it, transferring it, files back and forth, all that, all that stuff.
0: I remember like going between classes and and looking at my flip phone and trying to use the internet <laughs> on this flip phone, <laughs> which was like a pretty advanced feature at the time. Yeah, um, and also back then, no one. No one, not not no one, but most people had no idea what, like, even Photoshop was. Uh, People, they didn't know how to use Illustrator. So, like, everything was like a logo made in Microsoft Paint by, you know, somebody's brother or cousin or something. So, there were just so many, so many bad pieces of art out there that were totally useless for just about anything. Right. So, there was was a lot of that kind of work out there. And I think these days, most professional designers, hopefully, are making vector files, but you still find find ones who don't.
2: (laughs) Mike can speak of that. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's got yeah, that nervous they're... grin on his face.
0: <laughs> uh, uh, oh, uh-oh! Did I just call you out?
1: <laughs> oh no, I don't. I
2: <laughs> <You're> calling I... <laughs> out his clients.
1: I'm all for punching designers in the throat that do that. But no, I get I get logos designed in Photoshop fairly regularly from like big agencies. I it don't it boggles my mind. Mm. But you know, you got to roll with it.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay, so how seen... long?
0: Oh, okay. go ahead. I just I find I'm seeing that less and less these days but that might also be the fact that you know we have a lot more competitors I think when we started we had like three competitors anybody had heard of and now there's I mean there must be hundreds like maybe a thousand Yeah
2: yeah yeah I still so, get I I haven't been in a worked in a sign and print shop in seven or eight years and I still get like digitizing requests from like folks international like hey we could digitize your stuff and I'm like I don't even I don't even do embroidery <laughs> anymore. Like I don't do it, you know, But hey, like, hey, how soon or how long did it take before you were overwhelmed and you're like, okay, like I've got to, like how how does this scale?
0: So I got pretty fast at this work. So I'm trying to remember. I think I hired my first I hired my first employee maybe two years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, that didn't work out super well. Tried again. That didn't work out super well. It turns out I was pretty bad at hiring, <laughs> but. <laughs> The one I think after that. He's a that, sign
2: guy, Mike. <laughs> like, he, 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 <laughs> he, is this a common
0: story? And
1: <laughs> yeah, you, you're a you're a sign maker through and through. You just don't know it yet. It just, yeah. I just need to start making more signs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, the next the next
0: employee I hired, he's still with me. So he's been with the company for fourteen, fifteen years or something. Um, How many
1: employees total do you have now?
0: So I have four. Okay. Now. We had a few more in the past, but the pandemic was a little hard on our business, but that was, yeah. So things are, things are kind of getting back up to speed now. So they're all much so, more you, than like, How many pieces of, Andy.
2: how many pieces of like art do you guys like process on a, like a single day? I, I'm um, trying to get like an idea of like the scale. Like I, yeah. I imagine it's quite a bit.
0: So at our peak, we were doing something like 80 a day, I would say. Wow. Uh, these days it's. It's much more complex stuff. Like one of our big projects we're working on now is digitizing all of the, the blueprints into data that can be used in uh, Microsoft Business Analytics software. So each of those projects takes like hours, and we have like how many do we have in the queue? I don't know, maybe two hundred and fifty more facilities to do or something. So on a daily basis, we might only do like thirty, maybe on a good day forty projects now, but they tend to be much more complicated. Like some of them are used for manufacturing. So we work with a, one of the major uh, sports equipment makers in the country and they'll customize them. So if you ever go find yourself lucky enough to be in like a major NFL um, team's gyms or uh, like a major college's gyms, probably we had a hand in, in helping them decorate the uh, the weights and cut the logos into the equipment and stuff like that.
1: That's cool. That's really cool. So
0: some of that is kind of for, you know, uh, it, it uh, overlaps with the signage stuff because there's like metal fabrication involved, which is sometimes the signage thing as well.
2: Yeah, definitely. Mike, you got any questions at this point?
1: I'm trying to think of questions. Yeah. I'm trying to think of how this ties into automation and how, but like I said, it's not really my area of expertise. So I'm not hey, sure what questions. Well,
2: hey, hey, so, hey, like here's what I think is interesting of like, the, and I, and I want to hear like f- Brian, like, okay. Like what are your tips for like automating this? But like the thing that we were talking about before you jumped on is this intersection of like, like producing signs and graphics at the end of the day, it's an exercise in like constrained creativity almost like, yes, we want to be creative and and produce awesome stuff, but there's like a a fixed number, a a fixed limit of time that we can spend on any one project. Mm -hmm. So like how, how does creativity and efficiency like how do those come together because i for the life of me when i was a designer and i'm like a recovering designer is what i like to call myself <laughs> yeah like i was never i could never be like super creative and super efficient it was like it was usually like one or the other like hey you need a logo today i can i could slap you together something that's going to look okay it'll be professional looking but it's not going to be like great at all
1: yeah that's a that's a good question because you know there's that that old kind of saying in the sign industry, you, you have, you have, a, you can have a good, fast or cheap, but you can only pick mm-hmm. two, you know? So I want it. I want it fast and cheap, but it won't be good. Or I want it good and fast, but it won't be cheap. That is kind of, it's a constant struggle that we, we face as designers is, is how do we, how do we bridge that and, and provide the client with, with good, fast and cheap. Cheap is a terrible so, word, I guess, cost efficient, I guess I should say.
0: Well, I, I, th- We have the same saying in the uh the coding industry software development exactly the same yeah uh, concept supply there so with logo so with with design like where it's mostly you being creative and thinking and playing around the the efficiency really comes from mostly comes from like the export process so if you need the logo in a whole bunch of different formats with or without backgrounds Uh, After you make a tweak, if you want everything to be edited, like all the different versions you've created, like maybe the black and white version or the bug or whatever to be edited to go along with the main logo, you can automate that sort of stuff. So I find that like adding structure to the creative process can be handy, but I'm not a creative myself. So I'm mostly working with other creatives doing
2: this work. and. And I think that's why this is very interesting to me is like, like you have built a set of tools and a company around enabling other like designers to be more efficient. So like Mm -hmm. you, 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 uh, you've got like the Mike is the designer. You've got you're the guy who's supporting the designers. So it's like two different takes on the, on the similar topic. I think that's, that's, that, would be interesting for me to, to hear you both kind of expand on.
0: So when you're designing for signage or designing for print, a lot of times the design part itself is, it's, it, it does tend to be a little, a little harder to automate because, um, you're not following the same steps every time for a recurring process, but the, um, the finishing and the, the starting points are much easier to automate because, you know, you automatically pull from the template, you pull in your customer's information. Uh, for example, we uh, work with a clothing company that's using uh, TaskOS right now to pull templates and then create variations for, like, I think more than two hundred NCAA teams mm-hmm. uh, based on data they have stored in a like a database spreadsheet app called Airtable. So the Airtable. design happens. Yeah. Design of the templates happens upfront, uh, and then it's it's set up and tuned so it can be used with the software, and then the automations happen, and then at the end of the process of creating all the different uh, variations, the the automations then help with things like putting the images on T-shirts and uh, getting it ready for showing to a licensing department and then soon also actually submitting it to the licensing department and keeping track of whether they say yes or no and uh, uploading images uh, for a website for like to Shopify or some other, other system like that. Uh, so that's kind of where the... That's kind of where the automation tends to come in, although that's changing a little bit now that we're able to integrate with uh, software like Dali, yeah. um, if you're familiar with OpenAI's uh, image generation software. Yeah, um, it,
2: I've been also looking at uh, MidJourney is the other one that I've looked Mid, at. I spit out a couple of renders for Mike from it.
0: MidJourney Mid um, is amazing. It creates really, really beautiful artwork. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, like the kind of artwork you would have five years ago paid a designer seven hundred dollars or something to do and it happens in like two minutes it's crazy yeah
2: yeah uh, hey, let's let's save that one for i, I think that could be like a, <laughs> a a good uh closer there but like mike like it is does this track for you like where are you where do you spend your time like you sit down you're designing a sign like where is most of your time spent
1: yeah no it, it definitely does like a, a a really good example that i could i could see this applying to is when I do like large interior sign packages, like ADA signs with Braille and everything on them. You know, if you have a large office building, say with 200 rooms, the Americans with disabilities act says that every single door in that building must have a, a sign on it. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you're designing one of these large interior sign packages, you've got say six or eight different sign types, restroom signs and general room signs, conference rooms, office, right That So, the creative process in that is designing how each one of those signs looks and feels. And that, I don't know that there's any way to automate that process, right? Like it's, it's just, it's design, but yeah, I mean, you know,
0: with this artificial intelligence, we're not, it's not there yet, but I probably look out down the road pretty soon, actually. <laughs> uh, but you still have to know how to use the software, which is not particularly straightforward.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm skeptical that that's ever fully going to take away what, especially with, with, With design like that, where there's a lot of restrictions, I mean, like designing an ADA sign is different than designing like a big pylon sign up by the road, because there's a lot of guardrails in place uh, with the ADA code that says this, you know, it's got to have, you know, this type of background, it's got to be this finish, there's got to be this percentage of contrast. There's a lot of specific rules that, and then it has to look good as well, which is where I don't, you know, I mean, AI can probably, you know, achieve something that complies with the rules, but whether or not it's going to look good, i I question if it will at least get there (laughs) soon.
0: You won't do it with like off the shelf, like going in the mid journey and say, Hey, Mm -hmm. make me an ADA compliant signage package. That's not happening now. However, you could train a model to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. So if if you're a little deeper into the tech, I'm pretty sure if you gave me a number of months, I could probably make that
1: more (laughs) or less
2: happen. The, He's he's uh, too much like me, Mike. <laughs> like, yeah. like, give me two weeks, I'll, I'll build it. Oh not too not much But yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But like so So designing the individual signs, like what they look like is the creative process. But then once that's approved by the client, then you've got to go in and you've got to lay out each individual sign. So in a mm-hmm. in a in a building, a, a large office building, you could have say five, six, seven hundred total signs, even though there's only, you know, six or eight designs then you got to apply yeah. that to each different location in the building and that's where you know automation would be super handy if if I could just upload the spreadsheet list of every sign type and the sign message and and automate that process of laying out each individual message or each layout for each sign uh, you know that's the final step in the process of that and it doing that takes twice as long as the creative does yeah and it's you know uh, if, if I'm just designing the look and feel of the sign family, that can be anywhere from five to you know, thirty, forty hours to do that. But then to expand that depending on the size of the the, the full the full scope of the project to, to actually do all the individual message layouts, then it could add another twenty, thirty, forty hours to the project to do that because it's it's all manual. I mean, I've got to copy and paste type in what the next one is and and you, you know, I think in Corel draw yeah. there's a way you can kind of automate that a little bit by doing a data merge with a spreadsheet, but it's 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 Corel draw and it's not not that good. And, is
2: it? You know. Is it like? It, is it something you could straight template, Mike, or is it like, okay, like here's the the restroom sign. Okay, this this one has got like an extra bit of copy on it, and pretty like much. I got to manually tweak that.
1: It, it, yeah, having to manually tweak them is kind of rare. I mean, usually in every sign package, there's a few that you've got to you know kind of manually mess with a little bit. But but ninety eight percent of them are pretty straightforward and and, and could be templated um for sure and and yeah it's a you know it's a huge it's a huge time suck to, to do that part of it because it's just it's it's just busy work there's no creativity to it at all it's just plugging in data and copying and, and pasting and, and automating something like that would would save an insane amount of time for for me i mean that's that's the first example that comes to my mind but there's a, there's a lot like, of things like that in what i do that could potentially that's be a
0: very a very useful. good example because you no artist is going to be mad that you're taking that work away from them. (laughs) You you just, you just sit there and watch it happen on your screen, depending on how you wanted to set it up using one of our systems, or even some other systems that are available. Most other systems that I know about will just kind of go through and just plop them all out into a folder. And then Mm -hmm. you can go through and edit them if you feel like it, our system will allow you to like edit them as they're being generated if you would like to. Uh, So if there's any tweaks you need to make in this case, it may just be almost completely automatable and you could kind of just dump the output into a folder and do quality assurance on them real quick.
1: Now the trick is it, it has to be compiled into like a full drawing set for approval. Cause once, once they approve the, the design of the signs, then they've got to go through and they want to see, and, and sometimes it can be a hundred plus page document of every one of these things laid out Oh, okay. You know, and, and there'll be, you know, six, eight, 10, however many you can fit on a page, sometimes 20 on a page with, with each individual. And th- and that's really like, you know, the time consuming Part Well, part of the time consuming part and then exporting those as, as individual production ready files, obviously, on top of that it becomes, uh, you know, another headache and hurdle. But just creating that, it's basically a proof, creating that proof document that has every every signed message laid out to scale uh, is, yeah, it's it sucks. That's, that's pretty straightforward.
0: If you wouldn't mind uh, the artwork uh, going into Adobe Illustrator real quick and then popping back into Corel Draw. Um I could that make would that work. Be, that would be pretty, yeah. That would be pretty straightforward. Uh, that's a right now. That's pretty typical of, of most of the work we're doing with this plugin.
1: Interesting. Yeah, that kind of automation. I mean, that's that's kind of automation that I I think would free up designers to be much more creative. I mean, as designers, we're always racing the clock and we're trying to split the difference between being creative and being efficient. And mm-hmm. and and really, like the only when we're talking about you know true creativity in design and, and not like, you know, busy work and production design, but like, you know, actually trying to be creative and designing something. Okay. The sacrifice there is you you've got to, you've got to think down the line and say, okay, when I get done with this and I've got to do this, this, and this. So I've got to really hurry on the creative and maybe cut corners or maybe, you know, the quality there is sacrifice. So things that, that remove that, you know, that those other tasks from a designer's plate. So the designer is freed up to just focus solely on the creativity. I, I think would would be huge, not just from a time thing, but also from a time standpoint, but also from quality of design standpoint. The and, more time a designer absolutely. has, the better the design you, is going to be. If
0: you finish creating all the variations, and then they decide, oh wait, oops, sorry, we forgot, we need a, reg- a registered mark or trademark in this corner, or we need something else <laughs> tweaked. Yeah. You
1: probably had that happen, right? Oh, I, <laughs> I, I, That's a sore subject. Yeah, well, (laughs) (laughs) no, I'm dealing with it right now. I like a package that has like like two thousand different units in it, and and like everything's Uh laid out, everything's done, and ready to go to production. Like, oh, yeah, we we need to make this one minor, and and like in the customer's mind, it's like a really simple tweak, right? Like, there's nothing to it at all to their mind, but when you have to go back and apply that tweak to every one of those two thousand signs, that's it. It's tons. That's what is
0: bad when you have to just click a button to say rebuild. Right, <laughs> and then it rebuilds it. Maybe maybe yeah. it takes fifteen minutes or something, but yeah.
1: But yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at a week's worth of work to do it manually, yeah. and that's um, uh, so yeah, you know, it's, and it's it's billable time for me. So on one hand, it's like, well, cool, I get to charge you more, and and I'll take your money all day long. But on the other hand, it's like that really, really tanks your schedule as well, and it really spreads you thin as a designer. For. Something I mean, it just that doesn't
2: move the needle. Right? It, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. You
1: know, like it's nice to have that billable time that you're, you're going to get, but, but in the grand scheme of things, it's more important to be more efficient and get more work out the door than it is to just keep grabbing hours out of the air. Cause they're there.
2: Yeah. I, um, I think where I, I, one of the things that I'm really curious about is like, it, when do you reach for the automation versus just like knuckling under and like getting it done. Right. Because I I know, like, I I dabble in development. Let's say that, Mike. That's probably pretty fair. Mike would say I'm, like, an actual developer. I'm kind of, like, on the fence. Like, if somebody was like, hey, I want to pay you to develop this, I would be like, eh, I don't, I don't, I'm not comfortable with that. But if it's something I've tackled on my own, yeah, great. But sometimes like I like I put on that lazy developer like hat and I'm like, oh, like I could automate this really. It wouldn't take too long to automate and then I wouldn't have to do it again. But there's also this balance of like, like I'm just overthinking it. Like it's going to take me like 20 minutes to do this and then I probably won't have to do it again for like six months. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So if you find yourself doing the same thing again and again, that's when you want to take a look at automating it. In the meantime, it might be worth writing some notes, like a like a skeleton of a standard operating procedure if you think it might come up again. Um, but if it's just a one-time thing, uh, we will automate projects like that. Like that. I was telling you about that the Blueprint product for the data analytics software, uh, just sure. because there's hundreds of them and uh, the automations are pretty easy to do. And doing them without the automations is, you're almost always going to screw it up a little bit. Um, and it takes a while. So, um, there's kind of a cost benefit analysis there, but if it's going to take you 20 minutes to do it manually and you don't think it's something you're gonna have to do again, then I, I wouldn't, Eh. even if it take me 20 minutes to do the automation, I probably wouldn't usually bother. I would just do it manually. Yeah, Like
2: what's been your experience in the past? Like as you're growing, like the artwork IQ side of like, you know, when do we develop the SOP and then like, can you like speak to like a specific, example beyond like this blueprint project of like okay hey we we noticed we were getting x y and z every single week and then we said okay here's what the sop looks like blah 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 like okay now we need to do an automation for this
0: yeah let me see if i can think of a good example so there's one i've been doing for a while uh it's, it was i've had this customer i don't know like 15 years or something so i've been doing this process for yeah, like quite quite a long time And I've gotten really, really, really good at it really fast. Don't have to think. Uh, But it still takes about 45 minutes of my time. And since I'm trying to build another company, uh, it's, it's, it's a little distracting. So recently, we started building that into an SOP only to realize that there's like, I don't know, 47 steps or something like that it's just i've been doing it so long i don't have to think about it anymore <laughs> uh, yeah. but it really does need to be something that my employees can do and it's different enough for most of the work uh what it is is uh we work with a ceramics manufacturer mm-hmm. and uh they have custom monograms so if somebody if people get married they might have their initials monogrammed on it so it's like like fine china that sort of thing so we have to lay these monograms out on a layout um and then apply a cover coat uh because they have to be then uh applied to the to the china and then fired in the oven so it's a sort of a repetitive process and there's a lot of quality control involved we also have to create the monograms in like one of uh it's 24 styles or something so there's like a lot to it yeah Yeah. (laughs) so um so yeah we've decided it's time to it's time to go through the process of automating that and uh we're about halfway done i would say but right right now it's mostly manual and then what we do usually is we have employees go through the manual process first a little bit so they understand it. Um, and then we automate, the. we dis- discover which parts take the most time or uh, cause the most potential for like making errors, making mistakes. And then we automate those steps first. And what ends up happening is you take a procedure that started as like a 40 something step procedure and you like condense it down so that a lot of those steps like become one, chunk of code that runs automatically that the employee doesn't have to see. So it ends up becoming a much easier easier thing to teach to uh, new employees. If someone goes on vacation, like if I ever go on vacation, I always in the past I've always found myself doing that project. Because like it's it's took too long to kind of master it manually. That that's kind of a maybe that's not the it's a little bit of an odd example. I guess the rule of thumb is like if we have an employee and they or sorry, a customer and their printing company who's ordered something of you times. Uh, we'll do more than just like write down what file format they need and what they're doing with it. And we'll, we'll go into it and, uh, like export, set up exports and, and use templates, uh, to get things a little bit automated there. And if it's something that's a little bit out of the ordinary and there's more steps involved than in like a typical, just sort of draw it as a vector, set spot colors, save it as EPS eight or to send it. If it's more complicated than that. If we, yeah, you know, if we find ourselves, I guess it, it honest, uh, honestly, it's when it starts to become annoying. That's when we automate it.
2: That's, <laughs> that's kind of a I,
0: rambling answer I, to your I, question. No, no, there. no. That's yeah. no, that's
2: great, great. to like watch you go through it because yeah, like, when I it kind of to me, comes me that's down to it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah, that's. I, I feel like that will track with a lot of listeners of like, mm-hmm. I, I, not just artwork, but like, hey, wait, when do we need an SOP for this? Or like, is hey. It's got to the point where like, Hey, I could do this faster than anyone, but I, I'm trying to go on vacation or I don't want to do this anymore. And like, like Mike, maybe you could speak to this. Like your, your design business is exploding. You're, you're trying to bring on other designers. Like, how do you, how do you codify what you do for somebody else? So that the results, like the end result is similar. Like what, what are you doing personally on that front? (laughs)
1: Uh (laughs) nothing (laughs) now any any of my my designers they've got to know what they're doing when it comes to sign design i I can't i can't hold anybody's hand and tell somebody how to design a pylon sign or channel letter sign like you just you got to know you know and i'm using you know many requests which is an online you know kind of project management app that that brings everybody together but at the end of the day i mean because so much of it's creative i i I wouldn't even know where to begin to turn any of that into an sop uh, yet it's something that i haven't put any brain power to and probably should so thank you for that
2: (laughs) (laughs) thanks for calling you out like yeah
1: yeah i I mean I, i i see
2: that all the time right like or well i I won't say I see it all the time, but how many does how many shop owners have we talked to, Mike, where it's like, hey, I wanna like measure and get more out of the design department like how you know like production, okay, yeah, like we can go in and measure like okay throughput, like hey you made a hundred thousand dollars worth of signs this month, or mm-hmm. you made fifty signs this month, but like on design, it's it being a creative process, but also with a production focus, you know you, like you still gotta get it out the door. Like what what are the standards there you know, or like how do you are you it, not just like rely on the designer's design ability you know like like you got to be able to pr- produce repeatable results right
1: yeah, and i don't I don't know how that's achieved <laughs> other than, other than just like purely <laughs> talented designers doing what they do best i mean I, when I was in the art department at security science, um I would say they probably had the most efficient department that I've, you know, kind of seen. And they used a smart sheet tracking tool that they built to, um, you know, to put a few KPIs and metrics on, on what's going on. The design director would review every incoming project and she would determine, a, you know, an estimated amount of time it would take that be put on the, the, the smart sheet. And then the designer would have to track actual time. And, you know, there's... In, in that data, eventually was used to say, okay, for these types of signs, they're taking this amount of time, so we need to allot this on average. And but design is so subjective at the end of the day, especially when you're talking about the creative end of design. There's a limit to what you can, I don't know, standardize and, and turn into a process with it. I think because, the, in my opinion, the more you, the more you do that, in a way, you're kind of kneecapping designers a bit, and you're you're taking away their their creative freedom uh, by, by, by forcing them into too much of a, a process or a box. But, yeah. you, you know, does that make sense? Um,
2: yeah. That, I mean, that tracks with know. me. That's it, like, that's the whole crux here is like, Hey, hey this process is, is fairly creative, but it, like, we also got to get work done yeah. and it needs to be done in, in a certain, allotted of time. Right. Like, yeah. And, 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 Brian, like what, what metrics do you guys track? Like, like every piece of artwork that you guys work on, on the artwork IQ side, like do you track? time spent against each job or?
0: Really? I should be better at tracking these metrics. <laughs> okay. uh, so if task OS, that's a feature we're adding. Um, oh, okay, cool. We do have like some rudimentary time tracking for projects that are billable by the hour. Um, oh, okay. And then we have ways of looking at the data in the database and seeing how long, like when someone started a project and when they fulfilled it and when it went to QC. But honestly, I don't have a dashboard for that data right now. So uh, we're not, we're not using it for business analytics or anything like that at this point. Um, but okay. that's a good idea. I Should be doing that for sure.
2: <laughs> well, I, I, it's more just like a gauge. If, if like you're processing eighty pieces of artwork on a, a given day, and you don't have this data, then I'm just trying to like Mike make Mike feel better about so, oh, his oh situation. Sure.
0: <laughs> to be clear, we do have mostly have the data. It's just we don't look at it. <laughs> hey,
2: right, right, right.
1: Um, that's probably usually, the problem with sometimes. data collection in general. I mean, I mean, I wonder how many companies out there track. Those kind of data points and KPIs, but don't actually do anything. Whether it's design or production or anything else, like mm-hmm. I, I would imagine that tracking the data is and collecting the data is one thing, but actually analyzing it, putting putting the results of that into action is probably where most that, people fall short.
0: That is one of our goals for TaskOS: is to make the data available because you can see exactly you will be able to see. We don't have this implemented yet. Exactly how long it takes people to do each step. So you can see where you could pull up the dashboard once that's done uh, and see like, wow, it's taking artists a lot of time to do this or like Mm -hmm. this step doesn't pass QC some of the time. So those are the steps maybe to like focus on automating or you could use that data for other business purposes, like estimating that sort of thing. Once you get enough
2: data aggregated or driving home the value of your tool. I I use Loom quite a bit for like sending videos. They send me a report every week or every month that says, hey, you saved two meetings this week or like two hours of time or four hours of time or whatever it is. So
0: Yeah, I, we, we did look at some of the data recently uh, with one of our customers who's using TaskOS, and they're, they're a big, pretty big clothing company. But uh, in the five and a half months they've been running it, they have saved 240 uh, something person days worth wow. of labor.
2: Days. Days. That's days well.
0: Like 24 hour chunks too, not just work days. Maybe I need to have a better way of talking about that statistic, but like, it's kind of mind blowing, isn't it? Like, that's.
2: Yeah, I, I would have led with that on your website.
0: <laughs> uh, oh, don't. We're working on a new one. Yeah. Yeah. If anybody's impressed by this, what I'm talking about, and they look at the website, they might be like, wait, what? <laughs> well, we've been focusing mostly on making the tech and a little bit less on the right. website, clearly. <laughs> All right. Right. Yeah. It's coming along though.
1: It is an impressive metric, though. I mean, that's that speaks volumes about the value of of automating things like that. I mean, that's, I'm I'm sure that's a fairly decent sized company to to save, you know, year a year in 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 man hours. But, um, I mean, it, it definitely does speak to how important it is for sure when you start cracking numbers eh. like that.
2: Eh. Like this feels like a a pretty good spot to like transition a little bit. Do we want to hit on like AI, Mike. Uh, if, I'm happy you, to I, talk
0: about it. I, I, it's also new that unless you're making it yourself, you can't really be an expert. But I've been playing with it every day, pretty much. So yeah, I can I can talk about it a little bit in a sort of a yeah, yeah. Semi, you, semi-educated it, 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 manner.
2: Listen, <laughs> like, how do you see AI affecting design, Brian? Over like the let's, let's let's just like constrain it to like the next two, three years. Like, I I think we can all see where it goes long-term, but like some guys are like, we're short-term focused. Like, how is this going to affect me over the next couple of years? right now? I
0: think it's pretty powerful for quickly generating ideas. So, you know, you could just think about it like, okay, well, like, what are some ideas I have? Think about it for a little while. Or you can go to mid journey or Dali, and throw in some prompts about what you want and have it generate, you know, 30 different designs for you. And you might find something in there that like sparks the creative juices and you, you want to work off that. So I've done that with logo designs a little bit. Like you go to Dali and you type like uh letterpress, logo, bird, a bunch of keywords, whatever you're looking for. And it'll just spit a bunch of sometimes pretty, pretty interesting um, logo ideas out at you, which you can then turn into a proper logo. Using your your design ability, that isn't really our focus, our job. But when we do run into something like that that we need to do, it's it's a pretty fun tool. And then you can actually use some of these language models, which are uh, which is AI that will uh, you you ask it a question and it'll answer the question, try to come up with a good human sounding answer to it. So mm-hmm. you can you can say, hey, I need a logo for I need a logo for uh, uh, an ice cream shop or something like that. Uh, please write a prompt for me uh, in MidJourney. Here are some examples, prompts in MidJourney. Please like, copy these prompts. So prompt is like how you uh, tell MidJourney are what you, to make. So to how do you that? please generate some prompts for me based on these examples, uh, but it should be for an ice cream shop. And then it'll go ahead and like give you a whole bunch of prompts that you can then feed into MidJourney or Dali where you can get a bunch of uh, a bunch of examples where you don't even have to think too hard about what you're even asking it to do. It's that, it's kind of (laughs) crazy. Did you follow that at all? This might be a little hard to picture. Okay. (laughs) But as far as like what it, so I'm not like, uh, I'm not super, super, super plugged into design like you are, Michael. So it's a little hard for me to predict exactly how things might go down, but I can tell you these tools are becoming scarily useful. I, I think the biggest threat there isn't such a big threat to like vector designers. I think at the moment, I think the bigger threat is to people who make fine art. Mm -hmm. And I think they should be very, very scared. Like now.
1: I I definitely agree with that for sure. I I think that it's, it's a long way off. You get into, you know, the technical aspects of design, especially like sign design or just, you know, any sort of technical design, engineering, architecture, Mm -hmm. you know, I, product design i don't i think it's like you said the ideation side of it making something looks it looks pretty or coming up with really neat ideas i mean that's already here and it's only going to get better yeah. but i am skeptical that i you know 20 30 40 years down the line when i'm long retired it, it may reach this point but i'm i'm skeptical that in the near future it's ever going to be able to replace that 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 technical vector cad Engineering side of design because there's there's so much nuance to it that mm-hmm. it can't can't be codified. I guess for lack of a better term, it's 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 very subjective in a way, and and oftentimes there's only one right way to do something, but it's not necessarily the way that. A book would tell you it has to be done. I mean, it's you know, there's a lot of situational context that has to come into play. So it's
0: it's based on your experience,
1: right? There's, exactly. There's a uh-huh. lot of experience that comes into play that I I don't know that a machine could ever fully grasp. Does that make sense? I think
0: yeah, it totally makes sense. To play devil's advocate a little bit, this is where machine learning might come in. Mm-hmm. So if you feed uh, a computer program uh, that does machine learning with machine learning, uh, like TensorFlow, is um, let's 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 zoom out for
2: just a minute yeah sorry i'm getting too (laughs) like no 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 like what's (laughs) what's like the 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 fifth grader machine learning versus ai
0: oh okay um so machine learning is a little more just a little more narrow
2: where they show or something (laughs) and then like teach me like i'm a fifth grader or something
0: so I have a pretty good definition for machine learning. AI is a little more nebulous, at least in my head. <laughs> but right. uh, machine learning is when you feed examples. When you feed a bunch of... There's a few ways to do it. And it, I don't want to sound like a professor here. Um, so so anyway, basically you feed uh, a, computer, a computer algorithm or a computer uh, program that does machine learning a whole bunch of data that shows like, hey, this is how something should be done it might be something that's very hard for a computer programmer to like write an algorithm to do because there's just there's just too many variables involved and it's just something that a human like programmer wouldn't really be able to figure out at least not efficiently. Right. So the machine learning though, uh, uh programs will like look at all the data and they will uh write algorithms that really aren't even comprehensible to us humans, human programmers. That will then be able to produce that output sometimes fairly reliably. Um and I'm not a machine learning expert. Uh, we've been exploring it a little bit with our product. Um, so I've talked to some professors here about it who confuse me. So I'm <laughs> now here to confuse you in a similar manner. Hey, yeah. Uh but but it it you can teach machines to do very human-like, make human, very human-like choices. However, that's like one choice. It uh for like there there's so many choices to be made for something like ADH or uh, ADA compliant signage. Yeah. yeah. So I think the only way that in the near term that machine learning and AI are going to matter there is if you have a company that's specifically focusing on writing software for that purpose and they train a bunch of machine learning algorithms how to do all the pieces and then put it together, which I'm not sure that's going to happen in the next couple of years because the, the niche is a but little t- bit y- specific.
2: Yeah, it's not not that... Expensive of a problem. Well, it, it's probably expensive to solve, but it's not, not that but valuable of a problem to solve at this point.
0: The, you can get many of the gains of the automation by just you know, automating the, what uh, we've already talked about using TaskOS or, other, or any other template-based um, automation system there for exporting it. Yeah, so you don't even need to really do that maybe, but I, I'm sure it's coming. It's just not like, it's probably a little ways away because these tools are going to have to get easier to use. And the, the biggest thing is data is pretty hard to come by so um right it's hard to train something if you don't have the data to train it and that's that's really the problem most of these machine learning scientists run into when they're trying to train
1: yeah, I was thinking that in my head as you're talking through that I was thinking do I understand machine learning and, and there's probably a lot of applications for it where the data exists but I'm thinking in the in my little world of sign design everything lives in everybody's head there's there's very little like
2: yeah, you know,
1: yeah. hard hard yeah. And fast to, data that you can you, feed to a... You need
2: to talk to Tom and get like all the like digitize all the back issues of Signcraft. All right, like that would be pretty yeah, interesting. It would be interesting like to, to see if I you, you talk about reviving what what was once old and making it new again.
1: Man, robot yeah, sign yeah. fingers.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be the kind of
0: data you'd need for machine learning algorithms. So you're probably safe for a bit. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you might be able to get uh, like a language model to like talk like a sign maker though, pretty
2: easily using that data. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I just want to try this. Give, what do we, what do we tell chat GPT? Like, write Let's,
0: a, let's write a poem about um, automation and sign design.
2: Let's write a poem about automation and sign design. <laughs> in a world of automation where machines reign supreme, there's still a place for art and style where signs can catch our dreams. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I, this, this type of stuff is cool. Um, like a, a I want to create a, a what, what kind of signs do you have on the plate, Mike? Uh,
1: let's, let's see what it does with a, an ADA sign. Uh. I want to create a to an ADA compliant restroom sign.
2: Restroom sign. What's a prompt I can use to generate that? Oh. Hey, let's just take this piece. Yeah. All right. So I got I've got mid journey here. Excuse like the, the matrix rabbit stuff. This this is the
0: worst user interface of any product I've ever seen in my entire life.
2: Indeed. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Like everything scrolls by at a hundred miles a minute. Like it's just crazy. Oh
2: no. I thought I had a subscription.
0: Are you out of credits?
2: Shoot. Uh, Probably. All right. Have you played with this, Mike? Oh gosh, okay, I, this is not even gonna be fun. I'm out of credits, i guess
0: <laughs> um if you want, i can uh do a little okay. screen recording of uh in my um in my mid journey uh yeah, send yeah it that'd to be you guys afterwards the podcast
2: yeah, we could just drop it in.
1: Yeah, cool. I, yeah. Okay. I played around with. I haven't played around with Mid Journey. I played around with a couple of the others, and uh, but I haven't tried to get it to do anything super technical. I mean, a couple. Uh, you know, hey, I need some ideas for a you know a monument sign type thing, just to see what comes out of it. And some of the ideas are really cool. All the you know the graphics and text are total gibberish. You know, they're like mm-hmm. they look like weird, almost like Thai lettering or something.
2: But yeah, it, it, yeah, the, the lettering is kind of weird, isn't it?
0: If I wasn't busy with other stuff, I would set up an agency. Maybe there's somebody listening. will do this because uh, set up an agency that just fixes the fingers on otherwise fantastic mid journey. (laughs) Just fix the fingers and the teeth. um, And like, or remove the one thing in the background that doesn't belong. uh, And and you have have a pretty, you have an agency that's going to get a lot of work. I think
2: that's hilarious. Boom, Done. I love it. Cool. Well um, let's wrap this one up. Brian, I, Appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, before we jump, what I, tell everybody how they can find you, where you want them to go, like which business do you want them to visit? <laughs> oh my
0: gosh. Okay. Uh, so if, if anybody wants to buy uh, a printing company in the Chicago area, please <laughs> let me know. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, seriously, um, you can reach me at Brian at artwork and my, uh, other businesses, uh, Businesses: the URLs are www.impro.com, artworkiq.com, taskos.com, and then if you want to reach me on Twitter, my it's uh, at Brian Satry. and uh, you'll have to look up how to spell that. It's not very obvious.
2: Oh, I've I've I, been pronouncing it wrong the whole time. Everybody Satry. does. I've,
0: yes. Why didn't, it's oh, not, oh, dude?
2: Now I feel it's like not, an it's asshole. Not French.
0: You mean you? You're not an expert in uh. Uh, like antique like uh eighteen fifties or eighteen nineties Norwegian dialects from the <laughs> Southwest, really I,
2: unfortunately, no, but I want to be <laughs> terrible
1: podcast host here
2: life goal yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> what what an ass well i'm sorry i I've got it wrong Brian Satry Satry? did you say, did
0: you say it wrong when you uh when you invited me on I don't yes, or when you introduced yes. me I didn't even notice. Yeah, I guess it I, just totally I did.
2: <laughs> you, you got, like, the Brian-Ryan thing going on, too, though. So, like, anybody's around me, if they say Ryan or Brian, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh,
0: I was always in the class with a Brian and a Ryan in grade school. Like, there's always <laughs> – like, to just pack them together. Like, this will be fun. This will add some humor to this class. <laughs> Everybody answering at once or nobody answering. Yeah, it's wonderful.
2: Uh, exactly, exactly. Well, we'll make sure we drop all the links here. Like, are you guys – are you guys like selling task OS yet or is it beta or are you doing demos? It, it is. It's,
0: well, it's not really beta, um, but we're just bringing on customers very slowly and deliberately.
2: But if you're okay. interested,
0: please go to our website and sign up for the list and we will let you know when it's more generally available. And um, I believe we have a form on the website where we can even describe what you'd like to do with it, which will help us sort of determine if it's a good fit or not for you.
2: Cool. Yeah. I think I think it's very interesting what you're doing with it. I look forward to like following along with the progress. Um hopefully like at some point we can help Mike automate and streamline his operation. <laughs> it's, it sounds well, like he needs it, sounds it like but
0: we have one especially good use case. Like that would be a fantastic use case for it. And um I think you'd uh you'd find the development costs
2: would would, would not be uh would be money well spent, I think.
1: Cool. Fascinating.
2: Excellent. Uh, Mike, any parting shots?
1: AI freaks me out and I'm scared
2: <laughs>
1: for my future.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, no, this, this is a really
1: is, fascinating conversation. I, I appreciate you coming on for, I, for I'm sure. I'm glad
0: I wasn't just a nervous wreck the whole time because I thought I might be. But yeah, you uh, you two are great oh. podcast
2: hosts. Very easy to talk to.
1: Well, good. Thank you. No, this was, this yeah, was really we're, cool. We're,
2: we're we're good ramblers. Yeah. We, we get good at that. Yeah. But no, like I, yeah, I, if this is a good conversation, um, definitely stay in touch and appreciate you coming on, Brian. Thanks. Absolutely. Thank you very much. All right, guys. So thanks for sticking around. That was, that was an awesome conversation. I don't know um, how many tips that we gave, but let's, uh, <laughs> let's sum this up and, and they, like try to distill everything that we talked about, like, do you want to go first, Mike, or you want me to go?
1: I'm still (laughs) processing (laughs) a lot of it. (laughs) No, I think it's, I think it was a really fascinating conversation to, to talk to somebody who's, who's kind of eyeball deep in the, the AI uh, automation world like that and how it relates to graphics. Um, And I'm, you know, my mind is like thinking of all these ways that this would, would make a lot of sign companies and, and wide format shops and designers like me more efficient. It's, it's such a new concept though that it's really hard to really wrap your head around and, and, and understand. And and I think there is like a legitimate fear there from people as well. I mean, for me, like, I don't, I don't want my, my job to be automated. where to the point where I'm, <laughs> I'm useless. Nobody does. Like that's, that's terrifying. But he, he made a good point that it's, It's not going to come after and take people's jobs. It's just going to change the way they, they work and, and, you know, forward progress dictates that we have to adapt to that change. And that's a hard thing for humans to do. But I think if we're able to, uh, some of this technology is going to make our lives a lot easier and
2: and make us all a lot more money.
1: So I'm, I'm, I'm going to reluctantly embrace this technology.
2: Reluctant embrace. Sounds like a, a cologne.
1: I might be ushering in the apocalypse. i'm I'm not sure we'll see,
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're all like supporting this, so even if we're like watching from the sidelines and like cheering it on or, or like hopping in chat GPT and typing dumb stuff in there, like hey, right. sign poems, like
1: right. Yeah, no, like the other day I used chat Gpt. i I, I just asked to create me um a, a playlist of obscure. You know, seventies Vietnam era rock and roll that I'd never heard of, and like it came up with songs that, and bands that I had no idea existed, and I found some amazing music. So it's a really cool tool. I mean, I think, I think it's it's just in its infancy, and and as it as it grows and gets more mature, and as as we as humans grow and get more mature along with it, I think I think we'll really find a a balance or harmony there between it and you know old school manual skills.
2: Yeah, I, I like you can't forget the other side though. It's like this thing, it got extremely popular and I'm talking about chat GPT. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what Brian was saying. Like you got to have data to feed this thing. And Mm -hmm. like at this point, like we're just happily feeding this thing, all the data because it's, it's entertaining, but
1: (laughs) we're we're feeding it utter bullshit.
2: (laughs) Yeah. 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 So to me, it is a little scary at times, but, um, you got to roll with it, right? Like the, back to our like topic of of streamlining the art department. I I think we probably do like another episode of, of like structure and SOPs and things like that. Uh, I know you've got some thoughts on that. I think we've both tried to tackle like a guide on managing art files and dealing with mm-hmm. customers and stuff like that. So I I think that would be an interesting episode, but.
1: I agree. Yeah. I, I think we should do that. I mean, there's a lot of structural and process things that that relate to the the design department that really don't really even have anything to do necessarily with automation or, or 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 AI or anything, but just you know, it's like any other department in your shop. You, you have processes for for everything else. There should be some for for art as well, and that's something yeah. that's you know sorely overlooked in most shops.
2: I, I think the biggest takeaway for me today was. It just and I heard you kind of say it and I also heard like Brian dance around it a little bit as well is just like design efficiency hey like a, I don't know there's a way of the, to combine them right uh the creativity side of it is it's just inherently not efficient so if you're trying to streamline your art department you're trying to make your designers more efficient take away the boring, stupid, mundane stuff that they have to do so they can focus more on the creative part of it. Like get them designing the sign automate as much as you can of the output, the, uh, ripping, like, I, I don't know. Ripping is the right word, but like output to different formats. Like if, if you've got onyx, things like that, use the hot folders and phonic onyx, those were some of my best friends where you set up like a preset, uh, drop Mm -hmm. your file in there and it does like the imposition and everything for you. So try to focus on as much of that stuff, which is just like tedious, you know, mistakes can occur anywhere in that chain. Like you forget to apply the proper color profile, like the output's gonna be screwed up, but that's that's all stuff that computers are are really great at. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely, for sure. Embrace the technology.
2: Just don't feed it like your bank account information or any of (laughs) that. Yes. Or your guns. Don't give us guns. Don't
1: don't arm the computers, people. You want terminators? Because that's how you get terminators. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Cool. All right, let's wrap this one up. If you are interested (laughs) in being a guest on the podcast. We love interesting stories. So shoot us an email. Hey, at better We are suckers for good stories. So check that out. Send us an email. If you are a sign shop owner, make sure you check out our Facebook group. You can find that somewhere down below this episode, or if you're listening, I, I don't know how you're going to find it. If you're, if you're just listening, but it's in the description somewhere. And a big, thank you to our sponsor. GCI Digital, your large format provider, your large format wholesale print provider, your grand format print wholesale provider. These guys are awesome. They do customer service the way that grandmother used to make it. So if you want somebody who is willing to spend $5,000 on a flight to make sure that you've got your stuff on time, those are your guys. Check them out. Printgci dot com. Happy to have them as sponsors.
1: Yeah, TJ rocks. Great guys over there. I think that's it. That's it. Send
2: that's us sweet. your nicknames. Mike needs nicknames. <laughs> Yay! And and that's a wrap. Mike, pleasure. I enjoyed it today. As did I. Keep keep doing the Mister Rogers thing. Till next time.
1: If you liked this episode, make sure you hit subscribe to get all the latest episodes and check out our website, bettersignshop.com. Get free resources and helpful tools on growing your shop. Thanks for listening.